0: determination is essential in overcoming them it's this willingness decisiveness and resilience that sets marines apart with our fighting spirit we don't just fight battles we win them marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown and through adaptable problem solving we do just that learn more at marines.com
1: the baseball season is go 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 it's non-stop relentless for every night six straight months and then hopefully another month in october This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show, episode 360. I'm back. I made it back from Chicago. Scott and JJ, you guys uh, filled in last week. Spent the entire time bashing me, which I was not too appreciative of, you know, after everything I went through trying to get home from Chicago, popping in some headphones for the flight home, listening to the two of you talk about me and I couldn't say anything. You know, it's just annoying. It's just really annoying. And I hate missing episodes, especially when big things happen like uh, more ejections or I mean, that's like common practice these days. Uh, right, but it, it was uh, that was a big series that I wanted to talk about—the Cleveland series. Right. So missing Monday's episode was tough for me. I hate missing those kinds of episodes. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's uh, it's got to be worrisome when your when your arch nemesis is coming on to fill in for you as well. You never know really what's going to come out of his mouth sometimes. Um, and- well, you know what? I I expected everything he said. No surprises there. I was a little surprised that you spent a lot of the time bashing me too. I thought we are on the same team. Yeah you you and i have done over 350 episodes together right. we're supposed to be backing each other up oh yeah yeah big time definitely but i felt like i had an opportunity i felt like i finally had an opportunity just to say a couple things you know wasn't big i mean it was more of like the the venting of the LeMayhew and and the oros it's not you know what it is is that when when one person carries the predictions and the the promo or the the uh the segment that we've been doing for a few years—the uh, the bold predictions—we've been doing that for a few years now. Uh, when one person of the two carries the show and, like you know, gives it legitimacy and makes sure sure that they are, are grounded in you know actual baseball knowledge and moving forward and presence and things like that—you know, just all these things. You know, somebody, you know, occasionally some credit from the other person that'd be that'd be nice. You don't really believe that, so I'm not gonna really take that any further because. You were as right as you were on your predictions this year. You were equally wrong on your predictions last year. And who the hell knows what'll happen next year? You'll guess again, and you might be right, and you might be wrong. So that's really what predictions are. That's just that's where you're wrong. That's just well, what they are. That's where you're wrong because the Lemayhu thing was was grounded in actual baseball. Like that was a real mm-hmm. that one. I felt really, really, really confident about. So I, I was actually thank you for bringing that up because as you were talking about this on the on the show, and I was angry. I was looking up. You know he does not have that many home runs to the right field short porch, as, as we like to call it. Like that is not the reason he has more home runs this year. It's not because he's hitting wall scrapers to right field. Yes, he had a couple. Over, he had uh, one over the weekend um, on Sunday, I believe it was, right down the right field line. But he's he's just been a phenomenal hitter, hitter this oh, year, yeah. and a lot of his home runs to right field are actually to the right center field gap which is not where the ball flies out easy, cheap at Yankee Stadium. No, but but again, that wasn't part of the analysis. I mean, yeah, he's going to get some of the scrapers, but it's going to be more intentional knowing what right field is. And sometimes, you know, the ball doesn't go where you want it to go, and you're trying to hit it to all the way to right and get a little bit more of it, and it goes to right center. So, What do you think is a bigger contributing factor to the fact that LeMay, who has a career high in home runs, that he's playing in Yankee Stadium with the short right field porch, or that he's just a really good hitter who I know Yes has talked about this a bunch of times, hits the ball hard more often than most players in the league. And because the ball is flying farther this year, the juiced balls, he's just getting a little extra uh, distance on on these balls that otherwise would have been maybe one hoppers off the wall or off the wall. Lots of of factors to it. Lots of (laughs) factors to it. The ball being juiced definitely <laughs> like helps. Whatever manage. it is, their home runs, their home runs. The ball so being fine. juiced, the ball being juiced is going to win my playoff bet. That's 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 what's going to. It happen. really is. It's gonna. You're gonna hit twenty five, no problem. But but quickly. Um, so I like I said, nightmare trip from from Chicago back to New York. I, I finally landed over twenty four hours after I was supposed to land, and last night, around midnight. So Wednesday night around midnight, my bag finally arrived. It was sitting at the Newark airport for 48 plus hours. It's just... At least, it was, utter, at least it wasn't the reverse side in your home without your bag rather than being in Chicago without a bag. That's, that, that is true. Although I spent one night in Chicago without a bag. Yeah. Well, it doesn't sound like a good trip. <laughs> no. And uh, I, like you said, I, I did yell at a couple uh, customer service agents. And you know what I found out is that airport customer service agents, all their job, all they're trying to do is pass you to the next customer service agent that's closer to the airport exit so then finally when you're talking to the final person at baggage claim and they're like you know you have two options here you can leave or you can go f yourself you're just like okay fine i guess i'll leave because the exit's right there and i can't yell at anybody else that's all they're doing so i don't know if you remember i think it was last year when i had i almost got booted out of an airport because and i was being relatively cordial i was just asking a question that's it I was just asking I mean, I don't ever have a tone, you know, never. So there's <laughs> never. no it's not like I, I was asking it in a certain way. But but yeah, when you're at that like the 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 other option that I think is, is a very good possibility, which kind of goes into your two options, is not get filmed while saying anything out of their mouth as right. well on a camera. So if they see yeah. any of that, they're like, Oh shut down, shut down. Yeah. And uh, yeah, they can do nothing. So that's my my thing is they can do nothing. I know they can do nothing. They're just a messenger. Uh But they tell you they can do something which gets you to the next person because the lady upstairs told me... I rerouted your bag, and it is downstairs at baggage claim. And then I get downstairs to baggage claim, and the guy's like, no, they have no ability to do that upstairs. Yeah. Your bag is <laughs> on the plane going to Newark tomorrow. Sorry, sir. I'm like, what the hell? Yeah, no. I guess I'm sleeping in this, and I'm going to CVS to buy some toiletries. Yeah, that's frustrating when they, uh, when they just lie to your face. Yeah. What are you going to no. do? Yeah. <laughs> Tell people about uh, – we got a couple exciting things going on. Obviously, the August 31st event. Quickly – Uh, update on that. Yeah, so August 31st event. The tickets are still for sale. We're still going to sell them probably through the weekend. So if you have not gotten your tickets and you're grouped together, you're waiting entirely too long. Go get it. Uh, Go get your tickets. Go get them. 205 is the section that we always sit in. Obviously this game is versus Oakland. We've seen what's happened in the past couple games. These uh, These are contentious games. We need to Give them some payback, I think. You know when they come into the Bronx, so it'll be a, a good game on Saturday. Uh, we normally do the pregame at the dugout. A little different this year. A little different this uh, this particular episode. Episode. This event. We're going to be over at Billy's. Um, we're, we're doing some stuff with Blue Point where we're going to get some drink tickets on top of the uh, all everything that you're already getting. So you're getting some uh, some PinStripe Pilsner uh, at the pregame. Uh, courtesy of Blue Point, and the rest of it is going to be you know similar to what, we, what we've done. We've done the T-shirts, you get the beer, uh, you get the hot dog in the stadium, and you sit with us in Section 205. So it's 69 bucks, The value is insane. Go uh, go grab up. The T-shirts are up. I think I put them on the website. So they're on the website. You can see them uh, on the event page. And we'll put them on what social at some point. What are they? They say we are... I know what they are, but tell people. We are savages in the Bronx. They're white shirts with uh, with. with with pinstripes so uh cool shirts the, it looks good and you know that's kind of what we are the fan base i i i think we all identify with the savages thing and uh i think it's spreading into the stands now so pumped up for that and then obviously uh the the big news around the uh bronx pinstripes chat rooms and, and everything inside here is uh cameron maven we're doing we're doing some stuff with cameron Maben. we're working with uh with him and his team on uh, a fundraiser that is going to be we're raising money with t-shirts. We uh, designed some shirts. Uh, the, the big one called Hug Season. Basically, his arms going around uh, the le- the words hug and then the letters SZN. Uh, it's a cool design. Not to be confused with Susan. Not to be <laughs> so, which <laughs> someone confused that. What? Why are we hugging Susan Waldman? I said you can hug Susan Waldman all you want. I kind of like, hug season, I kind of like the double meaning of it, though. <laughs> um, but yeah, go check them out. They're all over the website. They're pretty much everywhere you can go. If you see Bronx pinstripes, you'll probably see the Cameron Maven shirt. Um, he's wearing it. He's uh, there's there's pictures that came out last night of him. He's wearing it on the R two C two podcast, which he's co hosting this week. So there's a lot of good things happening uh, around that you know what's wild about Cameron Mabin like I remember the first game he played for the Yankees it was in San Francisco and it was after Clint Frazier went down after Stanton went down after all these guys went down And You were like oh are we really bringing in Cameron Maben, who couldn't get out of AAA for Cleveland and here we are a few months later and Cameron Maben has been such a huge contributor not only on the field statistically but also he seems to be an awesome clubhouse guy and everyone has rallied around him and said what a great teammate he is. He's kind of entrenched in this 2019 Yankee season when he wasn't even on anybody's radar back in April. No, nobody's radar. I mean, like nobody in baseball because he was he was floating around for a little while. He was like one of those guys that you remember hearing about when he was coming up. um, Big prospect, you know, maybe didn't live up to what everybody thought he was going to be, but um, with with the Yankees, what he's become is just you know a great clubhouse presence. Obviously, like you said, like he's contributing in the field, gives the gives the team flexibility and boon by by uh, you know playing all three outfield positions. So he's been an unbelievable addition, and uh, and we're super thankful to uh, to work with him and his team uh, on this hug season shirt. the The proceeds are going to be going to Maven Mission, which he. Uh, this this particular fundraiser will be going towards the dream Charter school in Harlem uh, so we're raising money for the for, for those guys which is just an awesome uh, awesome uh, school to, to raise some money for and uh, they do some great things and I know Cameron does some some good things with them as well so go check it out go on our website uh, or go on the fan shop and go grab a t-shirt again 100 of the proceeds are going to um, this uh that his maiden mission and the dream Foundation, so we're not keeping a penny which is uh which is ex- it's fun it's exciting I've been wanting to do a lot more nonprofit stuff with Bronx pinstripes, and this is kind of our, our first step into it so um, we're we're uh, we're happy to uh, to partner with them awesome, awesome stuff all right so the Yankees are in the middle of a, a little bit of a tough stretch of road games nineteen of twenty five on the road and they've been such a dominant team at home seven ten winning percentage on the road still. Good. They're now 576 after the loss last night. But you can definitely see the difference between this team home and road. And I think there's nothing more evident than like we talked about CC's home and road splits. Well, turns out Hermann has similar home road splits Um, in. uh, He's got a 224 ERA at home and a 582 ERA on the road. And you're probably thinking, okay, what is the biggest difference there? It's actually home runs allowed. He's allowed double the amount of home runs on the road than he has at home, which doesn't make any sense because Yankee Stadium is a home run hitting park. And I know you play in a lot of road parks that are home run hitting parks like Camden Yards, but you're also playing in parks like Oakland, which does not yield a lot of home runs. Unless you're playing the Yankees, and it seems like it does because these guys are hitting the ball out like crazy. But his walk rate and strikeout rates are very similar home and road. Um, so it's, it's just... The major difference is he's getting hit harder on the road than he has at home. I don't know if it's a comfort thing. Maybe he feels better on the mound at Yankee Stadium. It, maybe he just sleeps better at, in New York. Like, there's a number of thousand different factors that it could be. But we've got a big enough sample size now where 56 innings at home, 65 innings on the road. He's a completely different pitcher. Yeah, and uh, and the other night when we were you know just watching his... Uh, just watching his start, you can tell that he wasn't as sharp. I mean, that was and 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 when you're looking at the numbers too, I think it's hard. It's hard to tell, you know what, how a guy is throwing that day. Even if it's even if you see some of the uh, the walks to to strikeout numbers are similar. I mean, he did walk more guys. There's no doubt. He walked uh, he walked two guys. He was he was not around the plate as much. When when he was he was he was uh, fighting from behind in the count and uh, and putting the ball over the plate. And that's when they were hitting the that's when they were hitting the ball out. So. You know, in that particular start, he was definitely not as sharp, and uh, and you saw the um, he just didn't have command for the zone. I, I made fun of myself because after I did the I stayed up to do the uh, the post game, and uh, what was my analysis? I was like, oh, Herman wasn't good because he didn't throw strikes, didn't get swings and misses, and the ball got hit out or something stupid like that. Well, yeah, obviously. <laughs> hold on, hold on. Did the Yankees lose because Oakland had more runs than them? Yeah, they did. Yeah, oh, it was shit. weird. Um, but I mean, that's what it was. It's, it's the, the stuff wasn't sharp and he was leaving the ball over the plate. And you know, when, when he doesn't have that sharp break on, on some of his breaking stuff and you're not seeing the, the big difference between the fastball and the breaking stuff, I think he's more hittable, especially if you're not over the plate. So all of these things, while obvious are the reason and very, very much contributing factors. Um, we lucked out with him cause he almost caught a cleat and, and did something bad to his leg and foot. It looked like a, it looked like it was just another thing for the Yankee season with this injury bug, uh, but we lucked out, I think, and, and he was all right. He said after the game, the extra rest, because he was pitching on two additional days rest, did not negatively affect him. I don't know how it would, I mean, usually a guy gets extra rest, he's going to be stronger. So. I mean, Hap threw on seven days rest last night, too. So, Hap has not been good all season. <laughs> though. Like, Is anyone surprised that Hap struggled on Wednesday night? No. Like, we're at the point with Hap where everyone's given up on him. Yeah. So no one's mad at Jay Hap anymore. He goes out there. <laughs> he gets four or five innings. He gives up a bunch of home runs and leaves with the bases loaded. It's like, yep, that's what Jay Hap does. Yeah. No. I mean, you'd think that maybe the extra day, I'm just saying extra rest, not helping anybody in Oakland. All right, maybe next time give Jay Hap like 42 days rest. See what happens. It's, yeah, you know, there's a lot of contributing factors here. The, the the ball being one of them, and I think it's it's flying out. And and if you're if you're not on your game, I mean, look at Verlander. I know he he's given up home runs in his career too. But they were they were showing the list of pitchers uh, that had given up the most home runs in uh, the American League, and Jay Happ in elite company there with uh, with, well, with 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 uh, with Verlander neck and, and neck. fires fires who pitched last night for Oakland has also given up. I think it was twenty two or twenty three home runs coming into the season. The biggest difference between Happ and those guys he hasn't lost Verlander the game since like fires. May. But but also innings pitched. They've pitched way more innings than J Hap. Yeah. So J Hap's home run per nine innings is far greater than those guys. And I'm sorry, yeah, Justin Verlander's is giving him up home runs. It's a lot of solo home runs because he's still striking out a boatload of people and pitching deep into games, and his ERA is still fantastic. Exactly. It's just he's he's been a flyball pitcher his whole career because he's a he's a four seam fastball pitcher, and now instead of three hundred and sixty-five foot fly balls they're go, they're going out of the ballpark right Uh, conan was talking about that last night on the broadcast Uh, i thought it was an interesting conversation that probably isn't getting enough attention the the guys that are predominantly fastball pitchers the ones that that do rely on the uh the fly ball to get out and to get deeper into games you have ground ball guys you have uh outfield or uh pop fly guys and then you have strikeout guys and a lot of times the the um the fastball guys, they will rely on strikeouts and and the uh, and the fly medium out. deep medium deep yeah. fly balls and those medium deep fly balls, like you said, are going out of the park this year. So they become very different on on paper, very different on the mound, and like last night, just watching happen. I know he's been struggling all year, um, but we've also talked about how kind of like you know he's that cerebral type guy who, who's like a just can think. You, you think he can just figure it out visible frustration like like the entire game you could tell that nothing was going right and he was wearing it the entire time which normally he doesn't do he's usually more calm and collected and you don't see it as much but it it was all over his face in between innings it seemed like every single inning him and Sanchez were just having like deep discussions like they were both like just trying to figure out what the hell was happening and um yeah i mean i think that's a it's a big factor and Cohn was talking about that it's a uh, you know these fly ball guys are having a lot of struggles and it's across the league. And, and I know what Hap is probably going through. He, he knows that he's, there, barring another major injury to this rotation, Jay Hap's not pitching in the playoffs. He might not even be on the playoff rotation. So he is trying desperately to figure anything out between now and the end of the season to show the Yankees management that he can at least be on the playoff roster. And, and he's not finding anything. It's like, every, like you said, everything he's done in his career to be successful He's been a successful major league pitcher for a very long time. Up until this year. Right. He's gone through struggles. He's gone through struggles. He's gone through struggles. He's gone through ups and downs. He's been better some years, worse some years. But when you look at his last four seasons in the American League he's pitching for Toronto, he's been a very, very good pitcher. Yeah. And he's been a very, very bad pitcher this year. Any way you cut it, Jay Hap's been bad this year. There's no way to doubt it. There's no way to go around it. And I mean, we've talked about this in the past when you're looking at the stuff or you're looking for diminished, uh, you know, uh, stuff on, on, on his fastball, the, the pitch that he uses. And, and while I, I think it's down a little bit, it's not, it's not much. It's not like it's a, he's fallen off the face of the planet. It's not that that's not what's happening. Balls just fl- balls. So look at the difference between 2018 to 2019. I, I can't imagine there's much of a difference in j JHAP's, um, like you said, stuff between 2018, and 2019. No, there, right? there, I, there really isn't. We've, we've, we've done the the analysis on like on the fastball yeah. numbers and and the spin rate and all these things. Like spin it, rates, pretty close. Spin rates comparable. Velocities comparable. If anything, there's just a slight decline which comes with age, but it should not be this sort of drastic drop-off where he turns into not even not even a league average pitcher. He's below league average pitcher this year. So, yeah, the ball might be the biggest contributing factor. And I don't want to just – I'm not completely excusing Jay Happ because everyone's got to pitch with that baseball, but he's got to figure something out. If the ball doesn't change next year, he's not going to be any better next year. It's going to be the same thing. I, and, and you I think the ball's going to change. You think it's going to change back to the other way? You think there's going to be an overcorrection? I mean, you might be right. I don't know. I mean, score, everything is up this year. We've talked, we talked a lot about this, this home run thing. It's like, oh, scoring. Well, scoring's actually up this year. Yeah. The, the ERA, um, I know Frank was, was posting uh, these statistics because he wrote an article um, a couple of days ago. The league average ERA is like 4.5 something. It's, it hasn't been this high in, in like years. So I don't know how you do this, but it's going to be addressed. There's no doubt about it. And, and it, because they've, They've made changes every offseason to go with a, a you know, a tighter ball or however how you know however they're juicing it, they can certainly make an adjustment to go back, right? Like they 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 have the specs for the 2018 ball, right? Somewhere. <laughs> they're 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 under lock and key somewhere or the 2017 ball. I mean, there's a, there's ability to 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 do this and to manufacture something that's that's a little different and to at least make some kind of a concerted effort to raise the seams or whatever the heck it is. Um, I do think there's going to be some kind of adjustment because, you know, the the players union is probably I I can imagine the players union in this offseason really bucking up about this. Although, although the are not happy, although the offense is happy, the offense is happy. But uh, you're starting to get pitchers rallying together like you saw around the All-Star game talking about the ball. Yes. And how this is this is ludicrous. Yes. So so they don't want baseball doesn't want that. They don't want any any negative uh, publicity. But uh, after Hap, I want to talk about how Chad Green comes in with the bases loaded. He he allows one of the runs to score, but but he pitches three innings, which I think is interesting. I don't know if this is they're starting to stretch Chad Green out more, maybe using him as an extended opener. To set him up for an extended opening situation. Are you gonna say super opener? Are you gonna go there? No, I'm not gonna say super opener. Okay. He's just an extended opener. <laughs> He's not quite a super opener. <laughs> so we so we that's the bridge between opener and super opener, is extended you've got, opener. You've got you've got Oh, I short love, I love, I Here, love let more me break it down for I love you. more of them. Let's keep going. Sh- short opener, that's one inning. Oh jeez. Standard opener, two innings. It, extended opener, three innings. Super opener, four innings. Shitty starting pitcher, oh, four-plus innings. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, yeah, no, it is uh, it is an interesting, you know, when you're looking at what's happening with him, uh, the fact that he came in in that game alone is is interesting. Uh, but that he goes three innings. Yeah, I think there's an... Uh, I think they're trying to get everybody to four innings. I think we're trying to get as many four inning guys as we can possibly have. Every pitcher on the roster four innings. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't like the every (laughs) starting pitcher four innings. Like you're you're probably not going to get into the fifth because if there's a third time through the lineup, probably not going to see you. So yeah, we're we're becoming a four inning team. This is the new thing, and it's not going to be open. The word opener is not going to be involved. They're going to come up with something else. It's going to be something different, uh, something totally different. They're going to coin it. It's going to be trademarked. And it's gonna be one of the one of the um, Can we think the of it now? for the nerds? Can we think of it now and put it on a t shirt so that everyone we, we beat everybody can to the punch? Beat everyone to the punch by forty two seconds. Yeah, yeah. And then, we, you know, we're rich. Let's head head them off with the past uh uh-huh. and uh and figure it out, but let's just not say it on air. Right. Uh but I like I, I do agree with you and what you guys were talking about last episode that um they're just trying any way to get outs it doesn't really matter who they come from or how they come from You uh, just need outs and if Chad Green can, can give them nine outs in a ball game then great because Chad Green's not going to be pitching if he opens or if he starts or if he super opens he's not going to be pitching the next day anyway so what's the difference if you can get instead of six outs you can get nine outs even better I mean, I guess, but it kind of at some point you're you're starting to defeat the purpose of why it's intended. I mean, the whole reason for these guys to be in there in short amount of times is to go through the lineup uh, one time to get their best stuff out of one inning, you know, like put out a fire and go on to the next very good savage that you have in the bullpen. Yeah, the problem with that though in the playoffs is okay. So Chad Green goes one or two innings in an opening situation. Who are you going to next? You're not going to David Hale or Nestor Cortez against the Cleveland Indians in the American League Division Series. That's not happening, right? Well, that's why I hate the opener for the playoffs because you're going to have more starting pitchers on your on your roster that are have the ability to go deeper into a game. So that's why it doesn't make sense to me because you're not having those guys. You have or or if you're if you are doing that and and you want to have Chad Green, uh, you know, extinguish the the first inning and get through the the top of the lineup and then you can bring in someone else who's not. In the playoff rotation, but as a starting pitcher, so I don't know. I, I still don't like it, but we'll see what happens. Four innings. It, it doesn't matter because they're all going to pitch four <laughs> innings anyway. So who cares? They've. Uh, this is the first time the Yankees have played the A's since the wild card game, and I, I was reading a uh, MLB.com uh, article by by an Oakland beat writer, and they were he was actually saying this: the A's circled this series like as, as we want payback. Like they're eyeing the Yankees as saying you bounced us from the playoffs last year. This is, this is, we got to get retribution. It just happened to take until late August before they, they played him for the first time. He used that narrative. He said that that was what they had been talking about or, or like thinking about. I forget, I forget the exact phrase, but he mentioned that it's the first time the, uh, it was something, the headline was something about revenge, uh, something about... Uh, s- Partial revenge for wild card game or something like that. Is this, is this re- his narrative though, or is that coming from the players talking about I it? I don't know. Well, that makes a difference. It makes a difference. It makes a difference. It makes a difference. But you know, it doesn't make a difference. I want to know what they're saying. For my purposes, it doesn't make a difference. I want to know what they're saying. I want to know. I want to know if Chapman, who doesn't really talk, and I just kind of like the player, just sits over there, does his job. Phenomenal third baseman. My God, that guy has a vacuum to the left side. Um, yeah. But is he talking? Like, I want to to know if he's talking. Doubtful. Yeah, I doubt it, too. Anyway, uh, Judge hit a home run to left field. Mike Fires is probably talking. Aaron Judge, 467 feet to left field. Shot. Everyone loved it. And this is what we talked about. Like, we just want to see something sexy off of Aaron Judge's bat. And that was sexy. It was a crush shot. Just looked like the old Aaron Judge. But the interesting thing is, he got a little sassy in the postgame press conference about it. Which tells me. It's a thing. Well, of course it's a thing. Nobody, everybody, everybody knows it's a thing. It doesn't mean it's an injury thing. No, I'm not, I'm not saying it's an injury thing. But that's thing. where everybody goes. That was the It's a that thing was the whole he thing. was thinking about. Oh, yeah. There's no doubt about it. So, but well, then why is he getting sassy? Just be like, yeah, that felt good. I hadn't pulled one all season. Because he can't. Why does he have to be defensive? He, I, it, it wasn't. That was not defensive. It was. It was late. Meredith asked him the question. It was very late. It was. It was Meredith the two of them. Asked, yes. Go ahead. Go ahead. Very, very late. It's it's ten thirty p.m. for them. I mean, they just got there. Set it up. To, they got there Monday. Off day. Anyway, she asked him the question, and he gets a little defensive. What What are you talking about? Yeah. No. He. It was funny. I thought the interaction was was funny. And what's the problem? And Meredith was like taken aback. She's like, um uh uh the hitting the ball to right field or to left field, <laughs> like it was almost like, damn! I can't believe he just came back to me asking that. Like Aaron Judge never does this, um, but it was funny. I think they have a good rapport, and uh, they were able to like make that w- an interesting dialogue. Um, if that was Clint Fraser, we would have murdered oh, him. Oh boy! Oh boy! Murdered yeah. him. He hates women. He doesn't respect anybody in the media. <laughs> like all sorts of like, it would have been uh, the narratives for Frazier if he did that would have been unbelievable. And if it was Greg Bird, if he was still a thing, we would just had the little heart uh, heart shaped uh, bubble yeah. on the TV screen that popped. Awkward, up. awkward, yeah. awkward moment between two lovebirds. Uh, so, a little history of uh, Aaron Judge this season. So, injured his oblique on April twentieth. He was out until June twenty first. He actually came back and was okay. He was fine. His his on base percentage. And batting average was actually on the rise when he first came back. Um, But he really started slumping on July 25th. So pre-injury before the season, uh, before he got injured on April 20th, he hit a home run every 18 plate appearances, which is in line almost identical to his home run rate in 2018. Way lower than 2017. But I'm not quite sure we're ever going to see 2017 production again. And that's okay. Like He doesn't need to be 2017. He was still a uh all-star level mvp vote getter in 2018 post injury um so when he came back on july 20 or excuse me june 21st one home run every 28 plate appearances okay since he started slumping which started i i traced it back to july 25th that's when he just went into a terrible slump one home run every 54 plate appearances yeah so Again, like this is—I've been fighting off the people that are—they're—they're—you know—calling him injured and things like that. I put my doctor hat on last time because I don't think—I never thought he was injured from from this. When you came back, I, I don't think the doctors or the uh, trainers or, or the Yankees, period, are letting Aaron Judge play hurt. I, I just—not with an oblique. If if it's something else that you can't do further damage, then 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 maybe like if it's a little nick up. But this is such a huge factor to everything that he does on the field. I don't think the Yankees are, are messing around with that and. To me, it just looked like he was getting into bad habits. I mean, he was swinging it. He wasn't swinging at good pitches. Um, he was going the opposite field, absolutely, because I think it was intentional. It was something that that he had uh, put a focus on. He's talking about that two strike approach, uh, going to right field as well. And I think it just kind of took over his mechanics a little bit and got in his head. Clearly, got in his head. And uh, and you're starting to see that. And you know, he just didn't have the 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 Aaron Judge mechanics that we had seen and fallen in love with, where he's hitting moonshots to left field. And you're starting to see him get hot, starting to see him, you know, put it all together, get a little bit more confidence. Because I think also when you start believing it in your brain, you know, you can do it a lot easier. You can, you can almost see it happening. So I think we're, we're in store for some good things from him. I, I agree. I, I think I, I to, I've always agreed with you that I don't think the trainers would send him out there injured, but what if it's a mental thing that he's just having a difficult time getting over that he doesn't want to re injure his oblique by taking his a plus swing. So he's trying to get away with his B plus swing. Yeah, I just don't think that's. I just don't think that's the case. I think it's. I think it's easy to say that when you're in bat, when you're in a bad stretch with your mechanics, because it's it's just a, like an easy thing to rely on uh, as far as like fans looking at what you're doing. But he's still swinging the ball at the bat hard. He's 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 still doing these things. Yeah, he, his egg, like his exit velocity is tops in the league. This right. Year. So it's not like he's he's you know holding back. angle. Launch angle is different though. That's the biggest difference. Why he's not getting the same mechanical. uh, uh, power. Uh, Rohan also wrote an article this week about who's been lucky and who's been unlucky on the team from the offensive side. And Aaron judge has been one of the more unlucky players in baseball. As far as, um, uh, actual weighted on base average and expected weighted on base average. The difference between it says, He's expected to get on base higher than he is actually getting on base, which means he's getting a little unlucky. We, on the flip side, you look at other guys. Uh, Gio Urshela was an example, and Mike Talkman was an example of those guys were getting a little lucky. Not to say that they're they're not good; they're still good, but they're actually getting a little lucky. Like Mike Talkman's batting average on balls in play was like something like four four or five hundred, which is not sustainable. Yeah. Uh, and you, I mean, you see a lot more weak contact off those guys too, with little little uh, bloops and dinks and dunks, especially Urshela. I mean, I feel like I've seen a bunch of those base hits. Again, not knocking that; that's fine. Like he's still even hitting the ball to the park. Like honestly, and the production, like any of it, is a is a is a um, an unbelievable, an unexpected, uh, beautiful piece of baseball. Uh, but he's definitely getting a lot more soft contact that's hitting green, whereas Judge still hitting the ball hard everywhere. I mean, last night. Hit a rocket to left to uh, the left side to Chapman, who just vacuumed it up and threw over first inning. Like hit the ball very hard, went right to him. Chapman, uh, when you see Chapman play third base, then you realize what a real like. Well, that's not that's that's too That's unfair. He is setting the standard. He's that. He's just that. Very him and Arenado are head and shoulders above everybody else. Mm-hmm. No, it's 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 crazy. It's just it's. Even eyeballs, you see it's like, oh, that's not a play that our guy normally makes. And he made it look simple. I mean, it's hard for me to say that about Urshela, though, honestly, because the eye test doesn't say that to me. The eye test says that, that Chapman is fluid as all hell to his left side and, and yes, vacuums up balls. Um, but I, I just haven't seen anything from Urshela thinking that, like, that, that he's not a very, very good third baseman. That's why the metrics don't make as much sense to me. And they were talking again last night um, about range and, you know, maybe the, the range, which you can't really see with your eyes, affects the the, neg- the, 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 um, the negative side of his defensive metrics a lot more than people think. So this episode of the Bronx Pinstripe Show is brought to you by CBS Sports HQ. I think we're all aware that sports TV nowadays is full of made-up drama beating the same topics into the ground, and hot takes from people who don't even believe what they're saying. <laughs> is that really what it is? I never noticed that. CBS Sports HQ is here to change all that. CBS Sports HQ is a network that streams live 24-7, and they have coverage that's just focused on the game. They bring you the latest news, highlights, previews, and reactions to all the on-field action. Their fantasy sports experts will give you the info you need to make the right calls for your lineup and their betting experts will help you cash in on your wagers. Yes, yeah, Scott, maybe you could check that out and make a little extra cash. There's no fake debates, no politics, just sports for real sports fans. The best news of all, it's free. You heard me right. It's free. I don't mean free for a week or free for a month. No, it's, uh, it's totally free. It's just free. You don't need it's actually free. It's just free. It's just free. No money. No money. Need- no money. Yeah, you don't need a special cable package or anything like that. There's no gimmicks. gimmicks there's no, uh, um, you know, read the fine print here. All you need to do is um, log in. Just open the CBS Sports app and watch any from anywhere on your phone or at home or on your Apple TV, Roku, or Fire TV. It couldn't be easier. Download the CBS Sports app and watch CBS Sports HQ today. So Tanaka, this is the third big start in a row for him. Think about it. Toronto uh in Toronto Yankees trying to split the series and Tanaka had not pitched well in a long time so that was a big start for Tanaka and then last time out against Cleveland coming off the getting demolished the first game against Cleveland Tanaka needed to right the ship to say hey guys we're not going to get crushed in the series and now t- uh, tonight Thursday night looking to avoid a sweep yeah yeah I, I like it I like uh, let's keep testing this is this is a beautiful thing when you're up when you're up nine plus games in your division, um, you want to get tested. You want to see what guys are made of. You want to see guys correct their their struggles. And and so far we've been seeing that with Tanaka. He's he's been that guy um, as of late that we needed, I think. And and you know the he served as the stopper from uh, from that route in Cleveland. And let's see if he can do it again tonight. I think it's a it's a good test. I I like I like the situation. I don't like losing two games in a row. But I like the situation that Tanaka's in right now and and to see if uh you know what we can do here and string another good start together. They're also running into Oakland at a bad time yeah. as far as o- Oakland's a hot team. They just they just took a series from Houston. I know they're not gonna win the AL West, but they're currently in a wildcard spot. Oakland is. And they're I mean, and obviously they're putting up bulletin board material. All over the right. all over the place. <laughs> this is a revenge They series. hate us. They're it's yeah, I, I thought I thought people were like cool and just like Much had you know had good vibes on the West Coast, isn't that what you hear? Good vibes on the West Coast. No, they're they're... apparently not. Apparently in Oakland, they're throwing daggers. Yeah, come on, you know Oakland. You know Oakland fans. Those are Raiders fans. They're they're losing the Raiders is the last season for the Oakland Raiders. They're pissed off people. I don't. I don't put for whatever reason in my in my brain like in my head. I don't put Oakland A's fans and Raiders fans in like the same headspace. Like I just I can't see them in the same in the same because atmosphere. I know. I know why because you're thinking of the Raiders fan, the big fat guy that dresses up in the black got spikes on like, his shoulders, pir- the black pirate gear yeah. with the spikes on his shoulders. Who looks like he's going to murk you. Yes. And then o- Oakland Athletics fans. What are what you picture an Which elephant, a, guy, a, clown. A, a, a hippie, a hippie, a hippie with a guitar <laughs> yeah, yes. like like Barry Zito. Literally like Barry Zito still goes to Oakland A's games. Absolutely. The the um, I'm, I'm thinking of the guy who's playing the uh, what's the the Australian horn that we hear the. In every yeah. game and playing the playing the drums, yes, there are a bunch of hippies in the outfield playing instruments. That's the Oakland A's fans. You also hear that because there's like 42 people in the stands, and the place echoes yeah. thanks to the big structure out. and Are they going to take away that structure in center field? I have no idea. Do you know? I have no idea. Not keeping up on what they're doing with structures out in the Oakland. <laughs> <laughs> they need to fix a lot of concrete the out there, though. I know that. A lot they of need concrete. to fix fix the plumbing and get rid of the rat infestation. The um. I, I do. You, do you mind all the the noise and, and stuff coming in the background? What's the name of that? The horns. Venezuela? It's not. <laughs> it's not. It's not Fernando Valenzuela. It's something. It's it's something like that. Um. But I. So I, I don't know what the name of the horn is. No. I forget the name of it. But it's um. So I, don't I, I, it. I, I don't mind it. Most of these West Coast because these let's so these West Coast games for midweek. After I'm recording, we recorded this podcast at 630 in the morning. I'm going to work after this. There is no way in hell I can stay up until two in the morning to watch these games. So I'm usually listening to like the first half of the game while laying in bed, listening to John and Susan. And all they do is complain about the noise in, like in between every pitch. Oh my gosh, they're so loud. John, can you, I can't even please, hear please, you over that, the noise. Please don't do that voice. That is a terrible voice. That is a terrible voice. So that is what I hear for like three or four innings as I'm going to bed. So that that is my experience with the Vuvuzuelas out in the f- Oakland Coliseum, the Fernando Valenzuela of Oakland. It's I um, I don't mind it. I don't know. It reminds me of of for when you're watching a game in uh, from like the Caribbean World Series or out in Japan. There's just a lot more atmosphere, a lot more noise. I kind of I kind of don't mind it. It's, I, I, like, I like that different places have their own little factor, so I think that's one of them. Um, but I know mm-hmm. people are all, all up in arms and, and being like, it's the worst thing in the entire world. It doesn't bother me. Well, some good news on the injury front anyway is that obviously we know Severino faced hitters the past weekend, and he's working towards a rehab assignment, which could come soon. Uh, but Tansis, no real updates. He's still a little bit behind Severino as far as the throwing, throwing goes to uh, live hitters. Voight is going to start a rehab assignment in Scranton on Friday. So I think this is a big test for Voight to see how he does in-game action. But I could see him getting three or four games, probably a couple games at DH, a couple games at first base, and then he's back with the Yankees, hopefully. And uh, so Stanton, he's traveling with the team. There's no timetable. Boone, this is a quote from Boone. Saturday, he was up to 95% body weight on the anti-gravity treadmill. So that's our update. What are we doing? What are we doing here? <laughs> like he can't even he can't even run. He can run on the moon. At ninety five percent body weight. Well, you don't have body weight on the moon. You have some. It's not full. It's not. It's one six gravity. It's yeah, and, So and he's ninety five percent. Is he ninety five percent of the moon's gravity or ninety five percent of Earth's gravity? Depends on uh, what setting you have the little, the machine on the anti gravity machine. I, are you, are, I you, on the, are scene, you on the moon setting or are you on the Earth setting? He's not. He's on the ninety five percent setting. Maybe he's training to go to Mars. It's more gravity than the Moon, less gravity than Earth. Oh, he's going. To, he's going to be one of the first. I think so, uh, me, uh, Mars men on one. Mars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, okay. I mean, that's what he's going for. I think they need. An, they need. That's why everything's been so secretive. They need like a. They need like a, a top of the gene pool guy to to, re, to populate <laughs> to Mars. Populate. So he's going to be going over there to recreate to recreate the, the think human race. About how, think about the bombs that he could hit on Mars. We think the ball is juiced on Earth, on Mars. I don't know what the gravity's like on Mars. Seven mile long home runs. Um, yeah, it, it's when you're looking at what the updates coming from him. So the the thing about Stanton and these updates is that if you remember last time it was like we heard nothing, we heard nothing, and all of a sudden he's playing again, like fast, mm. like out of nowhere. He's he's in Scranton with Judge, and they're in Durham playing baseball, and he's hitting moonshots. So I kind of expect the same thing where like all of a sudden we're just gonna, he's just going to be taking batting practice looking fully healthy and and then he'll be in the lineup in like three days I kind of expect that and then they'll they're just going to kind of see what they have with him until the end of the season does if he comes back I think they're waiting comes, for rosters to expand personally okay I mean that's right around the corner yeah say he comes back and he's and he's um, and he's okay right but all he can really do is DH is that even valuable to the Yankees uh, having a DH that can hit moonballs, um, but then you're taking away flexibility. Then you're taking away other things from the lineup because that means you have to play either Mabin or Talkman in the outfield, right? Well, well you're, you're taking back. away an effective player that who's who's been an, a, a player that doesn't have the name of, Gene, of Giancarlo Stanton, but has been a very effective player uh, in the in the second half of the Yankees season, or you know even even further past than that. Because you could put in anybody's name, and that player has been effective. <laughs> right. That's that's where we are so, today. So, so I'm not I'm not knocking Giancarlo, but at the same time, ideally, they need him to be an outfielder. It's going to be super interesting. I mean, I know I've probably said that a hundred, a hundred times, but you know, usually when we're looking at September call ups, we're waiting for like you know two or three of these young guys that can really help. There's just not going to be any room for them if we continue to get guys back. Like that, position player wise, no. position player. Well, I mean, just across the board pitchers too. I mean, you look at look at what's happening with the. You know, even like Ben Heller is is um, you know hopefully healthy again and he's back and throwing again. Like guys like that, or Jordan Montgomery's of the world. Like we're we're seeing names that we know. Um. And I and David Garcia is a is guy that everybody's just moving to the bullpen, full time. Yep, is now is now going to the bullpen. So that's an interesting move. Obviously, something that they've already talked about, saying that if he was going to be a contributor, uh, he would come out of the bullpen. Which again, what does that mean? He's he's another four inning guy, possibly, but they wouldn't use him as a four inning guy in the Bronx. They would probably use him as a flash guy, someone to come in and just get like a a, a, a bolt, a quick bolt of. Um, uh, of put out stuff that's put out stuff maybe that's no, i just said put out stuff that's in context no pull out Oh stuff. pull out stuff damn it i gave him way too much credit right then um <laughs> i thought i just used an arodism in context did we was it really put out maybe it was put out no, stuff it was pull we out. just couldn't read his hair re- handwriting it was pull out stuff there were unless he unless he crosses l's it was put out stuff <laughs> <laughs> which i mean maybe he does i could see a rod crossing and spells l's. pull with one l <laughs> um but uh but yeah, I, you know the the roster situation the, the quantity of players that are' going is going to be upper even after rosters expand there's just not enough for all these guys to play in, in on one roster. We haven't even right. talked about Encarnacion no, I think Encarnacion or void it's kind of like whoever's healthier is going to be on the roster. yeah, I agree with that I agree with that and uh and you know I think Encarnacion has a is a long shot at this point just because he's um uh, but they don't really well you don't know the, how how his wrist heals and if he still has the same Power Encarnacion power right. that we're used to, but he's also it's not like a controlled it, player too. So I could see them like you know let's go. No, of course, but if he's not if he's not productive, if he's seventy five percent of Encarnacion, you're going to take seventy five percent of Encarnacion to DH or seventy five percent of Giancarlo Stanton to DH. Yeah, or seventy five percent of Voight to DH. Like that might be the question. Right. The difference being is that Stanton plays the outfield, whereas these other guys play first base. And if we're looking at a, a position that could use more flexibility, it's first base. Yes, definitely. So if you have Lemayhu starting at first base, and you have also Encarnacion or Voigt backing him up, you can shift around the DH. But but there's other guys that they might have on the playoff roster that can go over to first base. Like Gio Urshela could probably play uh, first base, no problem. Yeah, but but uh, when you're Austin Romine has played first base in in a yeah, but you don't want to mess around with that emergency situation. No, he's not going to start. But if you're in a situation where you gotta do a double switch and it's the eighth inning, you can put Austin Romine at first base. Yeah, I mean, yeah, but th- that's the thing. Like you're you're in a then you're in a tough position though, because you're putting your backup catcher at first base. You know, and obviously you don't want to do that or you know, or pitch, you know. But the the um it, it does give them flexibilities, like you said, for that double switch or for and that's really not gonna happen until the World Series, but or when you're trying to do a um you know, just a late inning defensive shift around by by Bolstering your Listen, weird things happen in these playoff games. Yeah, it's true. Having I mean, more flexibility, always, not, not always awarding LeMayhu at first gives you more flexibility. Every single playoff series, there's a weird thing where it's like a manager is running out of position players. It's I see I feel like it's happened in twenty seventeen and uh twenty eighteen. Not with the Yankees last year, but um didn't um the in the the world series like the dodger didn't like the dodgers or the red sox one of those teams like ran out of position players in one of those games yeah i think at some point so it's like weird weird stuff happens because you're trying to always get the best matchup you're trying to always shift things around all right let's move on so vuvuzela that's what i said kind of what you said You've been looking – I've seen you look at your phone for like the last 15 minutes. You've been looking that up for the entire time, haven't you? I have. I have that's exactly what I've been doing. <laughs> <laughs> all right. This, so this question came in from at FB underscore film room. So we normally obviously do mailbags on Monday show, but this is sort of just a good uh, – I did a lot of research for this, so I wanted to make it a standalone segment. Um, so the question, we're all begging on the Yankees being okay third time through the order in the playoffs because they can just turn to their pen. But if that's happening every game in the playoffs, we're counting on our pen to throw four to five innings per game, kind of what you were saying. That means the back-to-back outings for a lot of guys. So my question is, what are Chapman, Britton, Adovino, Green, etc.'s numbers when pitching on consecutive days? Scott, I I built a spreadsheet for this shit, okay? Did we say who this was from, by the way? Yeah, at FB underscore film. Okay. Um, So no Yankees pitcher has pitched three consecutive days this year. Not c- consecutive games, because sometimes consecutive games don't happen on consecutive days. Consecutive days on the calendar, no one's pitched three days in a row, which I think is pretty impressive to manage a bullpen. Um, and obviously, that's something they're trying to achieve, because it just there's no way, by accident, it could happen. It hasn't happened. Um, so quickly, I'm going to run down these guys. Chapman has pitched 10 games uh, on consecutive rest. Excuse me, on consecutive days. So the numbers I'm about to give are what they do on that second day. Chapman, 10 innings, 7 earned runs, 12 hits, 1 home run, 4 walks, 17 strikeouts. You might look at the 10 innings and 7 earned runs and say, "Uh uh-oh, that's not good. But you can really trace that to one blow-up, which happened on July 15th against Tampa, where he gave up 3 hits and 3 earned runs. Otherwise, he's been pretty good. 17 strikeouts is good. So when you look at his split FIP, which is 2.26, it's actually better than his season FIP, fielder independent, independent pitching. I calculated this shit, okay? It's basically walks, hits, hits by pitch, strikeouts, et cetera. It's just isolating. How is the pitcher really pitching when he's pitching on his second day? Chapman's pretty much the same guy. What? And he, he even, even had a game where he pitched twice in the same day in that doubleheader against Baltimore. Quickly, um, this, this segment we were gonna do on Sunday, like you said, right, and we kind of left it out because you did a ton of research for this one, but do you actually think that JJ and I could have talked about this? No. Not a chance. That's why there's, I... I <laughs> there is, it had, it, in my eyes, it had nothing to do with you and like the amount of work that you put into it because that's, it was impressive the amount. Of, we just, we would have been throwing numbers out there that would have meant absolutely nothing to either one of us, and we would have looked at each other like complete idiots. Right. That J.J. would have looked at FIP and been like, what is FIP? How many wins does he have on his second day? Like He wouldn't have even gotten that far. <laughs> he, wouldn't even, he would have just dismissed it immediately. Do you dismiss this stuff? No, I, I think it's interesting. I just, I just don't go to that place automatically. But when it's in front of my face, I think it's super interesting. Chapman, so his ERA is not good. But when you isolate his, what he's actually doing on that second day, he's still an effective pitcher. So that's good news. Britain. Uh, in uh 9 games he's allowed to er- two earned runs. The real bad thing here is the walks, 9 walks, which is which, out of which is out of character for him. The, this year has been definitely um the the um the walk to to K ratio is higher for Britain this year than it has been. So when you look at his his split FIP versus his season FIP, it's a little bit higher. So 4.78 uh, split FIP versus 4.13 season FIP. And it's because of those walks. So Maybe he doesn't have the same command on day two. I mean, he doesn't his he's, he's he's over a walk per inning. You gotta caveat this with small samples. I understand that. like it's eight in a third innings pitch. but he also eight, eight walks and eight and a third innings pitch. is bad if you've been watching Britain all year long, you can see it just just that's one of the things that, that it's very clear uh, to the eyeballs is that he's the command isn't there as much. And I think it's because he's really trying to get that ball further down because he knows if he leaves it even a hair up than he normally has it's getting hit further. So here's a guy Adavino who's been better on his second day. In ten games, he's pitched eleven innings, five hits, no runs, only three walks, uh, and he's struck out fifteen. Fifteen in ten innings. So his eleven split dip is eleven innings is one point three one versus three point two eight. Uh, quickly, Kainley has been uh, a little bit worse. In uh, on the second day, he's given up three home runs on his second day, but he still struck out 18 guys in 12 innings. And Chad Green has only pitched twice uh, on his second day. Um, and those are really the guys that you're concerned about pitching on back to back and maybe even back to back to back to back gay days. In uh, a belly to belly to belly. Well, in, uh, in the, in the you're, you're going back to back games, but not there's there's more off days in the playoffs. ALCS and World Series, you could have to pitch in three consecutive days, games four, five, and six. Oh, really? Or, excuse They're... me, three, three, four, and five. Okay, um, yeah. So I, I, this and that's you know I think one of the the people that are talking about one of the people that's you know the the guy that supports the opener is. You know, talking about the fact that there are built-in off days for the playoffs as well—that's a factor that you can use and and schedule your opener around that. Again, it's just you just don't know what's happening with the bullpen on the other days. That's my problem with it. Um, This is this is interesting to see how these guys do. I mean, I gotta believe that like when you're pitching um, on a on a consecutive day, that your numbers are going to be a little bit worse for the majority of players. But when we're looking at like Adavino, to me, is a mad scientist, so he probably pitches geared towards what he looks like on that second day like i could see him like re you know uh just that and like simulating the all, all the circumstances and having his arm in a certain place and then you know hooking himself up to all these uh, uh all the all the wires and 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 analytics and lasers and and you know really gearing himself towards that like he's that kind of guy he's kind of a mad scientist in that sense um but i think it's really honestly the. The only guy that I'm concerned with in these numbers is Britain, and it's the Walks, because if if, is going to be, if you're going to be relying on Britain to pitch eighth inning uh, of playoff in playoffs, and he's walking, guys, well you're not going to let him try and fight through that inning. You're probably going to just go to Chapman, which also creates a problem for Chapman, because now he's pitching in um, multiple innings in a game, and then he might have to come back the next day as well. So if Britain is not sharp on that second day, he could create a bunch of problems for you. Yeah, I mean, but the thing is, is like, again, w- Canley is another guy that, you know, if they don't go to him earlier than that, like, he's going to be circled as as a potential eighth inning guy. Like, he's becoming more of that very high leverage. We talked about him being potentially like that David Robertson type, where he comes in and uh, becomes a fire extinguisher. You know, maybe that's not green anymore, but possibly it is. Like, that's the thing. He he's got so many different guys that he can go to. I think Boone does have a lot more belief in some of these guys in high leverage situations that any of the fan base, like I think the fan base would be happy seeing Canely come in in a a spot like that over Britain because people have seen, people have expectations of Britain and they see 2016 and it's not that. uh, And, and you, they, he gets crushed. Whereas he's still been very good, walks her up a little bit, but Canley's the guy who's been a resurgence and beaten expectations. So in the fans mind, he's better. So Britain has been the eighth inning guy all season. I don't know if that's going to change in the playoffs. Although I, I would like to see Boone be willing to go to Britain in a situation, no matter when it is, in middle to late of the game, that you need a ground ball because he still gets a ton of ground balls. So if a, a starting pitcher leaves in the fifth inning and it's first and second one out, why not go to Zach Britton and try and get a ground ball double play? Like, why do you just have to go to Adovino or Canely who are strikeout pitchers, so strikeouts are also valuable in those situations. But it's there's you have to be willing to go to guys at non-conventional times in the playoffs. It's true. Uh, you just don't want to be in a situation where late in the game – and I know none of the numbers can quantify this, but when the pressure is is higher, when you have everybody on pins and needles in the playoff game, a close game late in the season, or I'm sorry, late in the uh, late in the game, and then you don't have your best pitchers to to be there in the highest leverage situation. But You just said you'd trust Canely in an, in an eighth inning, right? I. I, so if I you're would. not using Canley in the fifth or sixth inning because you used Britain instead, like the game, you can lose a game in the fifth inning. I agree with that. I totally agree with that. And, and it's a matter of if Boone is willing to do that. And I think we've, you know, we've seen managers shift their styles when it comes to the playoffs, especially because they have more of a, uh, you know, an embarrassment of riches in the pen. It's not the same guys. It's not the the David Hales and the Nestor Cortezes of the world out there. There are other guys that they trust. Um, so I think they're more willing to do that because they have more dependable arms. Like last year in Game Three of the Division Series, when the Yankees got crushed by um, the Red Sox, the whole Severino warm-up debacle. It was they were probably they were going to lose that game anyway, but uh, Boone went to Lance Lynn with the bases loaded and nobody out in like the fourth inning. Yeah, in and at the time the game was like three to nothing, Mm -hmm. and Lance Lynn gave up a bases clearing triple, so all those runs were charged to Severino. So, you look at Severino and say, wow, he really got crushed. But what if you brought in somebody and only gave up one run in that situation, a short inning guy, and it's four to nothing instead of six to nothing or seven to nothing? Maybe you can get back into that game. That's, it, so, there's, just because it's a certain inning doesn't mean you can't use a guy. Just because it's the fourth inning in the playoffs doesn't mean you have to go to Luis Sessa if Luis Sessa is on this playoff roster. Whoa, whoa, whoa. We're talking about going to louis sessa in a playoff game in the fourth inning i don't like that game that's a boot game i know lance lynn's been one of the best pitchers in the american league this year like that might not make sense but that's true but guess what he wasn't one of the best pitchers in the league last year no he and they went that's the equivalent he lance lynn was essentially louis sessa for the yankees last year he was in the bullpen in the playoffs for mop-up duty and he came in in a situation with bases loaded and the game got away. But that's the thing. Like uh, Lance Lynn was one of those guys who was a, a starting pitcher and, and put in the pen. Um, so it was kind of a different situation in the sense that Luis Sessa really has just been a mop-up guy all year long. Like he's been. Um, yes. His numbers are better, but the situations that he's in, you know, we're, they're not they're not high leverage situations by any means. Uh, but uh, when you're looking at Lynn, he was a starting pitcher that, that got in there. So I, I think the, the thinking is three nothing game. To get back in the game you're, and to, to stay in the game, you're going to need somebody to, to pitch a little bit further in. So here's Lance Lynn who, uh, you know, get me, get, me the, get me the out that I need, get out of this inning, and now I have a guy who can, who can stretch the game. That's the thinking, which is not, not the thinking for Luis <laughs> Sessa. I get the thinking. I just don't agree with it. All right, we're going. To, they're going to the Dodgers. Everyone's circling this series. It should be a lot of fun. The Dodgers starters are unbelievable. They rank first in WAR ERA, uh, WPA, which is win probability added. First in ERA minus, which is uh, adjusted ERA. First in strikeout to walk ratio. Second in FIP. Second in expected FIP. And second in Sierra. So they're 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 an unbelievable starting rotation. They have three starters in the top twenty on Fangraphs WAR leaderboard. Kershaw, Bueller, and Ryu. Um, it's interesting. Also, the Astros and Nationals each have three starters a piece on that top twenty list. So, the top twenty list, nine of those pitchers are made up from three teams. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> it's funny. Uh, and Ryu is one of those guys that I had circled in my offseason plans uh, as a guy that I wanted, and because he came back, he pitched at the end of the season last year. Um, well, he's just one of those guys that you could tell is. I don't know. It gives you steady innings. Gives you one of those guys. The the name in here that's that's uh, that's killing me. That you know, not a Dodgers pitcher, but the the fact that some of these teams. I know who you're going with? <laughs> Astros and Nationals uh, are are have the the three of each of these guys. Patrick Corbin, who mm-hmm. who conti- it feels like every time j Happ pitches, Corbin's pitching on the same day, just <laughs> just to troll us. And uh, yeah. and Corbin while. I still believe that that con- I say this with uh, out of the side of my mouth a little bit that that was a um, an, a crazy contract that he got a lot of money well maybe you know he's been pitching really 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 well he's been one of the 20th 20th uh, 20 best pitchers in in baseball this year and I don't remember exactly where he was on this list but I don't think he was like 20 he was like hot, much higher than that uh, it seems like every time j Haps struggles Corbin's out there throwing a gem yeah um, I know we're going to – it looks like to line up where Paxton, Sabathia, and Herman will go for the uh, Yankees. Um, Sabathia, I know he's like a three-inning guy at this point, so I don't know who's going to be backing him up. Uh, but we've got Tanaka going the last game in Oakland, Paxton going the first game in L.A., Every start for each of those pitchers is big from here on out because you're going to have to rely on those guys in the playoffs. Um, I, I I feel like I say that every week, but well, we're, it's just we're looking for momentum hour. to build. We're looking for these guys to just figure out their the the issues that we have. You know, we're, like we at this point in the season, I feel like it's a it's a weekly festivus. I did the festivus with uh, with JJ last week or on Monday, um, just because he had he had things to, to air out with me personally, I believe. But this one is now all of us just kind of like airing out our grievances about these starting pitchers, and we need them to just figure it out. So now is the time where you just figure it out. We got some good competition coming up. Let's figure this stuff out. Let's, let's show us, give us the confidence, even though nobody else cares about this besides the fan base, that, that we feel good. We just want that, that ability to feel good about a guy before a game. That's it. That's all anybody wants. <laughs> so you can have your heart broken in the playoffs. Yeah, that's all. We just want some uh, Would you some rather feel good? go into a playoff game not having any confidence in the starting pitcher? So if he doesn't pitch well, you can say, see, I told you so. Or having confidence in the starting pitcher where your heart is broken if he doesn't pitch well. I know which, <laughs> I know which one you're on. You want to see oh, yeah. I told you so because... Of course. That's why... See, okay. This gets to the heart of why you always say I'm negative. This is, gets to the heart of why I'm negative. I don't just because say then, you're always negative. It's because you're negative. I'm negative because then it's a win-win situation for me. If I'm right and things go wrong, I get to say I told you so. That's a win. If I'm negative and things don't go what I say and the Yankees win, then I'm happy. So there's no losing for me. I mean, yeah, there is because you could look at the other side of it where you go with uh, positivity and, and, and expect good things and, uh, and you make some predictions and then you, you're an absolute genius because uh, cause you can see the future. So, you know, yeah, I mean, you can live on your, your glass ceiling all you want. I, I, like to, I like to bust through that. I thing. will live on my negative island. And you can live in your fake. Oh, it's real, uh, baby! It's real. Very positive. It's land. real, and it's spectacular. <laughs> you know what's not real? <sighs> sexual you know enhancing what? drugs <laughs> being uh, a pe the new PED. Yeah. yeah. Hashtag, the boner, hashtag Chubgate. The boners that these players are getting from the the uh, gas station um, See, sexual enhancement pills. That's the thing. Like you can't play. You can't play like full on. It's 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 that's why it's Chubgate. Because <laughs> <laughs> you can't walk around with just like, you know, well, how, yeah, how would it work with with wearing a cup? Like, you know, I, I think a lot of them don't wear cups personally, but uh, yeah, every infielder has to wear a cup outfielders. Maybe not infielders have to wear cups. Yeah, but some of them probably don't. So if you have not seen the news, Jeff Passan wrote an article on MLB.com that the uh, MLB has issued a memo the players union warning that sexual enhancers may include peds which could cause a drug test fail and that the use of gas station i was gonna say not just sexual enhancers gas station sexual oh no it's the it's the cheap over-the-counter ones like viagra cialis those don't have peds in them if 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 Players need to get a prescription for Viagra. They can go out and get a prescription for Viagra, Viagra and they're not going to fail a test. It's it's the stuff that it's you when go they in- go to 7-Eleven and buy a pack for five dollars, so they can go out at three in the morning and bang the girl that they met in Seattle. Whoa, what I'm I'm not even picturing that. What I'm picturing is going into the 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 sketchy ass gas station, going into the bathroom, popping a quarter or fifty cents into the machine, turning it, getting getting a uh, getting some protection, and getting a little uh, a little pick me up. It's like, with it's, the like condom, dollar, it's like a it's like a1.75 worth of quarters. With the condom comes the, the gas station boner pill, just like in an old school pack of baseball cards. you gotta stick a bubble gum. <laughs> uh, so the, 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 there's a whole other element to this to this news. The fact that uh, Jeff Passen is the guy that, that put it out there and I don't know if you're a Jeff Passen guy or I have become a Jeff Passen guy this year purely for for his bit on Lebatar, i don't know if you heard this when he did his elmo impression when he did his elmo impression yeah. he's got a kid and i like i was never an elmo guy i kind of like i kind of kept elmo away from kemp just because i didn't want to hear that annoying voice but when i heard jeff Passen do it and and do a uh like a a breaking news trade deadline in the elmo voice i lost my <laughs> shit it's hilarious so now when i see him tweet something i'm like it's hard for me not to picture him saying it in that Elmo voice. And when I see with the context of his tweet, you go into his... Can you give us... Can you read the tweet you go into in into Elmo re- voice? You go into his replies, and uh, it's pretty funny. Uh, people people saying the same thing, because it's hard to now picture him without it. But it kind of... It, it, it's definitely built him up uh, on the likability scale. But it, it, so it gives let me ask you this: thing. Are these players taking these drugstore enhancement pills because... They they just they just want sexual performance or have they found something that they perform better on the baseball field yeah. or in the weight room because of whatever cut up shit is being put in these cheap boner pills? Right. Like which one is it? I think it's the latter. I, I yeah. So to me this is baseball um sa- saying we see it just so you know, we see it. And, and this is also the players being ahead of baseball, which is always going to happen until, until too many people do it and it hits the masses and then you have Balco. So like, that's why Chubgate will be a thing at some point. <laughs> we're just, we're, I think we're seeing the beginnings of it. And the fact that there are, are all of a sudden, you know, just certain things that are, that are being put out there. But yeah, no, I think I, I've always thought that, that the, um, the players are going to be ahead of testing. Because that's just the nature of it. Testing is always trying to catch up with what they're testing for. Uh, so I think in in sports you're always going to see that. You know I, I think probably um, cycling is like the standard of what you're of what we're at, where we're at with with PEDs. There's there's some a really good I forget the name of it but it's a really good Netflix documentary about a guy who. Purposely take yeah. steroids to invigorate in, in, Yeah, invicorous. Really, really, really good documentary. Mm-hmm. If you haven't seen it, well, go well watch the doc it. it won Oscar for best documentary a few years Did ago because it it, ta- it zigs in the middle of the uh, documentary when you think it's going to zag. You think it's just going to follow this guy trying to win this cycling tournament taking PEDs, and then he gets like caught up in the Russian doping. Scandal. It's wild. It's it's absolutely yeah. wild, and it's and it's all real, which is crazy. So yeah, yeah it's really so good. If you too- haven't seen it, go watch that. Two players have claimed this year that is why they failed the PED test. Who are they? were they? we not named. Oh, right. I thought you meant publicly. Um, yeah, so that's that's two guys on a that we probably don't really know about because there really haven't been any big-name guys. Um, Could have been minor league guys. I know a bunch of minor league guys have been popped for steroids this year. Yeah. It's, you know, look, it's when you're, uh, what's his name? Uh, Golden Tate was just popped in the uh, NFL for, for what he claims is uh, – Uh, you know, for uh, like in vitro type stuff, like fertilization, male fertilization pills. So they're all, you know, going back down to that, to that region for looking at what, where we're going here. But it's interesting. I think it's baseball trying to get out ahead of something, or at least just saying, Hey, we're, we're we're here. We understand. We see, we see what you're doing. doing." Yeah. And then this quote uh, towards the end of the article, Lamar Odom fell into a coma after significant dose of so-called herbal Viagra, A sexual enhancement. Lamar Odom had a lot of things happening like that. Was it the purple Viagra or all the crack that he was smoking? There was a lot of Lamar Odom was was just a a, a tragic figure at at certain points. It seems like he's getting his life together, but no, that guy that guy was in trouble for a while. I I definitely think because these guys could get if they really wanted Viagra or Cialis to perform sexually, they could get that from 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 team doctors, no problem. I think like. And maybe this is the cynicism in me. It's but not, agree, man. This, these are greenies. This is this. this is the, the greenies. This is yeah. It's equivalent to a greenie where they take these long road trips. Right? They land in they they land in Oakland and they're playing a late game. Their bodies aren't adjusted. Pop a fake dick pill and let's see what happens out there on the field. We're. I mean, I think at some point you're going to start seeing some of these like these energy. Uh, boosts the the four hour energies and things like that, like because I, I guarantee these guys are pop like drinking those things like crazy. Um, we're gonna start seeing some some different stuff in those. Like the technology is out there, the chemistry is out there, where, where they can always stay ahead of the testing. How many of these has Tommy Canley taken this year? Oh, the Dick, the the, the Chub pills, uh, a lot. <laughs> He's gone. He has replaced his Red Bull with fake gas station boner pills. They might be. Custom-fitting cups at this point for some of these guys to, you know, protect them with uh, elongated elongated cups. To, there, there's just there, there's different. I think there's going to be different factors of, of, of protect. Hold on, of hold on. Uh, tra- tra- training staff, can you can you uh, tilt my cup to the left? I got I got a leaner. It's just there's so many ways that this is going to go, on Twitter, that's going to be amazing, um, and tragic at the same time for some players, I'm sure, but. It's, 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 really, it's really good content. Would you rather get popped for just traditional PEDs or popped for PEDs because you took one of these pills? Oh, definitely definitely a chub pill because then I have at least something I can say. Well, I wasn't cheating. But, but then you've got the stigma that, oh, you can't get it up. Oh, no, 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 that's not. I mean, not for these guys. They're just party boys. You're just a party boy. Yeah, I mean, that's the counter argument. It's just that like they're, they're partying so much after these games. Not all of them, some of them. That uh, like I, I can imagine Tyler Wade dabbling in these pills. So Tyler, that was the first person I thought in my head, and I was going to say him until you did. When they were doing when they when they break out the um, the fog machine and the lights in the clubhouse, like Tyler Wade he passes them around on Ty- little doilies. Tyler Wade's <laughs> Tyler Wade's my guy in the corner with the glow sticks. He's also got the the dick pills, and he's out there like you know throwing them out like candy. So yeah, he's yeah. I, I'm picturing like the individually. Uh, Package lifesavers that you get at like a restaurant. That's what I'm picturing in my head. It's got got the really hard wrapper. Yeah. Yep. Judge and waiter boys from their time in Scranton, and I can just imagine Judge being shaking his head. You're gonna take another one of those things, man. (laughs) Like, stay away from me when you're on those things. (laughs) Yeah. I don't like. I don't like who you are when you're on those things. All right. That concludes the Dick Pill talk and all of the rest of the talk. Uh, One more game in Oakland, then an exciting Dodgers series. Submit your mailbag questions for Monday's episode. Also, a uh, quick shout out to AJ, who did the postgame recap video on the social channels uh, last night, Wednesday night. He is the podcast new intern. He crushed it on the uh, postgame recap, but he's also helping out with mailbags and voicemails. We did voicemails last week. We want to keep doing voicemails every week. Uh, call up the voicemail line. It's 646-480-0342. Tell us who you think does the most boner pills or tell us about this Oakland series or the Dodger series or whatever the hell else you want to talk about. Any last words, Scott? Yeah. If you're, if you don't want to have your, put your voice to a, a boner pill talk, you can put it in the, uh, in the comments when you give us a five-star rating review in Apple podcast as well. So, you know, written oral, however you want to do it. Talking about the dick pills, whatever you want to do. You did not nor- just say oral with dick pills in the same about? sentence. God damn it. Scott. I didn't do that. But, uh, no, we appreciate it, guys. Thanks for listening. And uh, this is uh, the West Coast trip. I hope everybody's staying alive and taking care of their bodies because I know I'm not. I'm physically – I I'm, swear to God, the degenerate in me, last night, I'm, I'm like, I'm going to bed, going to bed. Someone's already doing the recap. Like, why do I need to say, wait, this game is horrible. I'm in bed watching the game on my phone. Like a, you know co- like you a complete degenerate. You know what you need? Uh, uh, the anti-dick pill. I need something to knock me out. <laughs> All right, we'll talk to you Monday. Hey, guys, thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review on iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it, and go Yankees.